1: Well, thank you for joining us for Take 10. Take 10 comes to you at the end of each of our regularly scheduled programs, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known expert in addictions and in caregiving, a psychotherapist who spends a lot of his time trying to help people with the very issues we take up often on Take 10. And Carol Zerniel, who is known for her work as a gerontologist, member of the board of the National Council on Aging, and executive director of the WellMed Sherwell Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron, Dr. Jamie, and Carol. Your topic for now, ding, 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 ding. Carol, can you explain what a widow-in-waiting is?
2: Well, I recently read, um, uh, I don't know it a blog, a column, by a woman who described herself as a widow-in-waiting. So she was, care- she was a caregiver for her husband who had a terminal illness, um, and it was a very prolonged terminal illness, and she found herself having to cancel trips because he would has health would take a turn for the worse, um, not being able to do the things that she wanted in her life, and was really in a very negative place. Uh, she decided that she needed more breaks. She kind of took some action, um, and she realized after a, you know maybe a, several years that she was really a widow-in-waiting, that she was in this sort of, I wouldn't say no-man's land, but this interim where she knew her husband was going to pass. And she would bounce back and forth from being a very active caregiver to kind of practicing things that she would be doing once her husband was gone, you know, thinking about where should I downsize, where am I going to live, you know, am I going to go back to work. And just kind of, and, and, and probably feeling a little guilty at the same time. But, so, Jamie, my question to you is, is this a, is this helpful to, you know, recognize a situation very realistically? Because I think that's, that's probably more realistic than a lot of people are, uh, to be, consider yourself a widow-in-waiting.
3: You know, Carol, it's interesting you say that because caregiving um, kind of hits most all of us. It's something that we probably will never avoid Mm -hmm. uh, or being a part of somebody who's actually caring for us. So whatever the shoe is on, um, we're going to experience the the concept of caregiving. It it is a a feeling of guilt that does come over us when we're somebody who has a terminal illness. Um, Sometimes we do confuse a chronic illness also for a perceived terminal illness, meaning that the person will not get better. Uh, in our minds and our lives are going to always be like this. But there's always this anticipatory feeling that life will never be the same. Now, usually, in, in the case of the person you're describing, I believe that she's actually doing things better than most because when people are waiting for somebody to pass, caregiving uh, specifically, they actually sometimes cope with the concept of avoidance. They literally don't show up as much. They They don't to subject themselves to it that much inside somehow subconsciously they're already they've detached because they are in the process of detachment.
2: well as she described she was I think she was angry sometimes with her the care recipient with her husband uh kind of for putting her in this situation for always ruining her plans and she said that once she realized that she needed to start moving on a little bit past this illness, then she was able to go back and look at him as this was the husband who for 30-odd years was the love of my life, gave me a wonderful life, um, and, and stop kind of blaming him uh, when she felt like she had a little bit of control about what her mm. future was going to be but, like.
1: But that anger, Dr. Jamie, strikes me as being pretty common where the caregiver... Uh, finally turns and says, you know, I didn't want this,
3: I'm tired of it, get better or die. Well, that is anger, that's no doubt. Thank you, Rob, for, for going with that feeling and showing us what anger is about. Um, definitely, Carol, this is where I really believe that caregiving is a is a wonderful kind of a piece of a, experience of awareness. I mean, this situation that you're describing, obviously, is a very, very difficult um, process, and... I do believe that caregivers, per se, almost have anticipatory guilt and are allowed to actually do a lot of the grieving process long before others, and in some ways it, it does allow them to, to kind of transition and ease ease in some way to where they need to go. However, if you really think about what you're saying, it, she, she got this sense of gratitude. She kind of dealt with the anger of getting grateful, and, and to be frank with you, you know, I can't believe we can possibly blame the experience of caregiving or a loved one passing to, to actually do something about our lives not depending upon somebody else's existence. Meaning, for me, caregiving has always gotten caught up in this world of codependency. And it's a real aha moment for us that we literally have our lives to live, whether the loved one who we're with passes or doesn't. And this has happened to be playing out in vivo in her mind and giving her a reason. But I think long before her husband you know, was passing away, we all have this duty to take care of ourselves and not depend upon others for our existence.
1: Explain codependence in, in greater detail, will you?
3: Well, I will. It's basically, to, for the audience, in a very simple way, it's usually external validation for internal growth, and that's on a spiritual level or psychological level, meaning... In our lives, we've kind of, especially in our childhoods, we had to choose a a role or play a role in sometimes a chaotic household, an angry household, an alcoholic household, detached, militaristic, you know, abusive household. So we jumped into a role, and you've heard it before, things like mascots, you know, the, the scapegoat, the hero child, and we looked outside for that affirmation of that role. Well, literally, that carries over in adulthood, and we should never be depending upon others to affirm ourselves in our lives, nor should we wait for our loved one to to die and be angry at them because they're letting us down and now we're alone. We need to become our own selves, get right with our light, get on two feet, get our journey boundaries, and allow that to allow the others to feel safe around us.
2: And and for this particular woman, it meant that she took a three-day weekend once a month to have time for herself and do some things that she really felt like she needed to do for herself, um, and she explained to her husband that this was, you know, what she needed to help deal with his illness, uh, and he Isn't accepted that, cool? that. That's
3: so cool, Carol. That's that's a, a story I think that is really worth repeating everywhere caregivers are served here, because I'm, I, I know she got to the aha moment or to the awareness, and gosh, you know, this is my life, and... And if I'm just honest with my loved one and taking care of myself in the process, uh, you know, we'll both be able to do this better together. And so it's a great lesson there. But it's also a great lesson for those who are listening who are not necessarily caregivers to start doing this in advance to make sure you have a a reserve of this self-esteem, of these boundaries of sense of self, so that when somebody passes around you, you don't collapse into, into oblivion.
1: You've just joined us. You're listening to Take 10. We conclude each of our programs that you're listening to on your friendly local radio station with Take 10, where Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zernil address an issue of special import, uh, more often than not, to caregivers. And we're talking about uh, the caregiver who wrote about uh, being a widow in waiting. And uh, we've seen a lot of that with Alzheimer's patients. Nancy Reagan wrote about and talked about the long goodbye.
2: Well, let's just think about what would be different. So this was a woman who was caring for someone with cancer um, that didn't have the memory loss that someone with Alzheimer's. So, Jamie, you know, is there a difference dealing with somebody with cancer versus that long goodbye of dealing with, with somebody that has Alzheimer's disease and really becomes a different person? Just
3: fades away. You know, from a chronic and terminal illness perspective, obviously a doctor would say this is both chronic illnesses, and and, and we should look at them like that. They all kind of match the, the criteria for a chronic illness. However, you and I know, Carol, all too well the issues of the mind, neurological or brain-driven or mental health, are all kind of in this kind of world that you often hear me say gets caught up in this voodoo, chicken bones, and santeria, as if it's a whole nother approach to life. And therefore, you know, we feel the shame and the stigma a bit more because society has that shame and stigma around them they can reconcile cancer often in their minds but when their loved one is obviously losing their memory or having psychiatric episodic outbursts or things are happening that we can't really explain real well because we've kind of avoided this mental health world it is a bit different in the mind to me and to you it's a chronic illness and and the caregiving experience should be looked at like that
1: less than a minute left carol as you think about people in that situation do they know they're there this woman ultimately did know and wrote about it do most people
2: you know i think that a lot of people if they're honest obviously somewhere down inside people know where they are they know if somebody's going to die even if they're not willing to acknowledge it to themselves but it's such a healthy um, realization to 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 say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this as best road as I can. This person has cancer. This person has Alzheimer's. You know, this is my one life. Um, and this is what I'm dealing with right now. This is the, the end of their life. What a, what a blessing to, to have this realization and to be working together for got a to, good outcome.
1: Gotta stop you both right there. Dr. Jamie, thank you. Carol Zernil, thank you. I'm Ron Aaron.
0: Take 10. We'll do it again.